Toxic masculinity is really synonymous with unhealthy extreme expression. This is a very complex conversation that is trying to be reduced and, and, and deduced down to simple emotion. That's Stefanos Sivandos. I'm your host, Jared Lestrange, and this is episode 31 of The Superdad Show. Today we are joined by Stefanos Sifandos on the Super Dad Show. He is someone I have grown to know and love online as a positive and powerful influence on my Facebook feed almost daily. He has impacted and transformed many people's lives, including one who I care about most, a dear friend and true Super Dad in my eyes, Cora Gadzionis. Just to give you a taste tester of the depths of wisdom Steph chooses to share with the world around him, here is a quote I stole from him to share with you today. I believe that the path towards greater self-awareness and living a life of congruency, truth, authenticity, and openness resides in beginning with diligent self-evaluation and query. Steph can tell us more about exactly what he does as we go through this interview, but I wanted to start by getting to know him better and why he is like he is today. We are going to dive deep into some amazing topics, and I think we could talk all day. So without further ado, welcome to the Sudad Show, Steph Sifandos. Hey, brother, how are you? So good to be here. Fantastic. Even better having you here with me today. (laughs) Wonderful. (laughs) Now, mate, first question for you today. Can you tell us about where you were born, what your family life was like, and what life is like for you right now? You can go back as far as you want. You can go as deep as you want. I think that's a great way to start this interview today for us to understand better. No, no problem, brother. Wonderful. So, I was born in Fremantle, Western Australia, uh, resided there for a very short time and then went to uh, Patras, Greece, where my family was and lived there for a few years. My first language was Greek. English was a second language for me, came back to Australia because my father wanted to try and make it work there economically, but it was just very, very difficult um, Mm. economically in Greece at that time. We tried there for a few years, didn't really work out, uh, but... Uh, it was a beautiful experience on many fronts for me being with my family and also a difficult one too. It was um, difficult leaving my cousins and my, my uncles and aunties and so forth. That was really tough. But mm-hmm. um, but Australia was also beautiful in, in many respects. How I grew up, that's a, that's a really good question. Um, you know, I grew up a very inquisitive kid. I grew up really just being full of self-inquiry and inquiry about the world, being really curious, just exploring my, the world around me and sometimes that was met with openness and most of the time it wasn't. Like, you know, to, to be honest, the majority of my life was quite uh, volatile, uh, physically and emotionally abusive mm. and I interpreted those experiences, I internalised a lot of that and don't get me wrong, there were some really lovely experiences with my, with my grandparents and my mother and even, even with my father, you know, there's some good memories there, like healthy memories there. And the majority of the time was really volatile and it was tough. Mm. And I didn't know what was going to happen the next day. Am I going to get screamed at? Am I going to get belted? Am I going to get physically hit? Uh, Same thing as being belted. I was using slang Mm -hmm. there. Am I going to get emotionally abused? Am I going to be told I'm wrong again for the quintillionth time that day? As a kid, we magnify everything. and 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 it really was quite an intense period in my life. I was struggling to get to know myself, to, to form some form of uh, some identity, self-identity in the world. It was, I struggled making friends at an early age and, and 
was very self-conscious around my body and I uh, was overweight and, and just wasn't, wasn't really connected. And so mm. I, I developed some unhealthy coping strategies with respect to how to give and receive love and how to relate. And so fast forward <laughs> quite a number of years, that's very, very different now. And it's yeah. different because I chose to pay attention after many years of not choosing to pay attention when I could have had many opportunities but let them go because I was too confronting, too painful, too fearful, mm, all the excuses. Mm, mm. Fast forward though, now I'm more grounded, I'm more clear, I'm more self-assured, self-reliant, confident in who I am, uh, deeper. I, I have access to greater levels of empathy and compassion for myself yeah. and mm. for others and my life mm. is just very different, man, in terms of how I give and receive love. It's, it comes mm. from greater congruency and openness, greater transparency. Mm. And I'm very, very quick now to look at the stuff that's uncomfortable within myself and move it on, shift it, learn from it, be thankful for it yep. and grow yep. so that yep. it doesn't stagnate in me and doesn't affect negatively my relationships. Mm. So it sounds like you have pivotal moments in just about every day where you're finding ways to transform yourself. But I guess if we were to look at three of the most defining moments in your life to date, what would they be? Whew. Awesome. Um, the first, this is a really powerful question. I've got to give it some thought because I don't want yeah. to just rush into it. I can give you three moments. That's not an issue, but I want to give you mm. three really powerful. You know what? I want to give you three really powerful moments of the, the last few years of my life. The first Dude, was right. when um, when I I had a breakup with a previous partner a number of years ago, five years ago, uh, and that for me was a major catalyst for my own growth and expansion mm -hmm. and to really look at all the stuff within me and how I was behaving because I was very much out of integrity. Mm -hmm. Faithful in that relationship, not connected, uh, dishonest of self, dishonouring self, dishonouring uh, my partner at the time. She was a beautiful woman. She didn't do anything wrong to me. I was co simply coming from a great deal of wounding and I didn't know how to regulate myself. Mm. And, and so many men can relate to, to this and people, human beings. We just don't know how to re regulate ourselves. So we, we take the action that we think is right, but we know it isn't. And so that, that there, that the unravelling of that, her discovering that, me being present to that, and me making choices around who I want to be next in the next phase of my life, that mm. was a major catalyst for my growth, major. Because it allowed me to confront all the demons, all the dark stuff, all the shadow, all the behaviour, all the pain of past, the fears, the trauma that I'd experienced. I sought help. I sought mentorship. I, I, I sought healing. I, I, I looked at myself. I didn't see myself as broken. And I knew that I needed to make some changes. I, I went inward more. I... I uh, destroyed the various ego expressions of self and re-identified myself with the world, gave myself a new status, new labels. Uh, I just became a very different person. I'm very grateful for those experiences. Whilst that was very traumatic in and of itself, it was also very liberating. Yeah. Another yeah. experience uh, a couple of years after that was post breakup with another with another uh, woman. And and so this is interesting. You know, relationships can. They, they, they bring the best out of us and they bring the worst out of us. And depending on how we relate to ourselves, when they bring the worst out of us, we either grow and learn from it or we don't. 
and we just keep repeating the same shit over and over again. Absolutely. We don't serve ourselves and we don't serve others. Mm. And so when I, when I broke up with her, well, we, we broke up with each other. She actually ended that relationship. I was okay for a few weeks. I really was. It was a conscious uncoupling. We, we, I, we both understood why it ended. We, I didn't really want it to end at that time. I see why it did, obviously, for various reasons. And um, I thought, okay, well, this is, this is, okay, this is how it's meant to be. And I went in, into my life and I was creating and in the world and it was beautiful. And then something happened, shifted within me. And I started to really become very anxious. And I thought to myself, wow, like at that point, I developed enough self-awareness to think, okay, there's something here. Mm-hmm. I better go into this. And so I went into it and, whoa, was that a roller coaster? That brought up some serious stuff and it was beyond longing for her that was part of it at the beginning and and that was a very fear-based expression but when I when I moved beyond that it it gave me insight into the next evolution of my own self and and what my own value was and my worth and Mm. and what I had been um still ignoring some things that I've been ignoring within me within myself in in other words how I saw myself my self-worth uh, and and my value, the value that I gave to others, and that was a big, another big turning point in my life that really freed me. And I began to then look at healthier masculine dynamics and what that looks like for how how can we really be healthy men. I started that journey a number of years earlier, yeah, but really continued that. Mm. And then the third a third major catalyst for my change was uh, just last year meeting meeting my beloved now and meeting my my fiance now, where where we both. You know, I've reached that point and done a lot of deep work on myself. And it's not just the last five years. It's an accumulation of the last 20 years. Um, Plus, it's just the last five years that were very intense. Mm -hmm. And having met her and being so clear and and the the dynamic being so different, so clean, so transparent, so honest, wasn't coming from fear, wasn't coming from abandonment, wasn't coming from the pain body and really just being present to what was unraveling and unfolding in terms of the beauty of the intimate intimacy of the relationship. And so that was, that's a, that's a, a major, a major transition in my life where I've, I've moved now to the USA. And so I've got yep. two homes or three homes in, in Europe and, and Australia and, and, uh, and now the U S. And so I'm very grateful for those experiences and the learning that's been coming from that as well. Great answers. Very, very insightful. <laughs> so, yeah, as I can see from your coaching, a lot of it is very much about assisting people to dive into those deep held um, pains and the lesson behind it. Um, and it comes from the experience that, uh, you know, you've gained from doing that on yourself, I guess. Um, yeah, look, just to talk about your business very quickly, um, I really wanted to ask, um, it's called Reclaim Your Kingdom. What is your definition of a kingdom and why is it reclaim and not claim your kingdom in the first place? Great question. And so this is something that's really interesting. It's it's this, you know, we I, I study a lot of Eastern mysticism, particularly um, Advaita Vedanta. And so that's, um, for those of you that may be unfamiliar with that, you may be familiar with the Bhagavad Gita, which is like the, um, we can call it the Hindu Bible. It's not really that. It's a bit different to that. Mm. But it's just an ancient text that 
uh, Indians, uh, the Upanishads and the Vedics from that era would would hold and esteem so di- so so profoundly and so deeply. Mm. And so, Advaita Vedanta says that it, we we aren't coming into anything. We are remembering that we are God. We are remembering that we are Brahman. We are remembering that we are the ultimate and the true self. And so, we've always been. You know, when we look at we're born, we're born tabula rasa. We're born clean slate Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it's culture, it's society that allows us or places upon us a particular imprint that tells us how we need to be or tells us what's right and wrong or helps us identify with our values. Sure. And so reclaiming our kingdom, and I'll go into what a kingdom is in a moment, reclaiming our kingdom is really remembering who we always were, who we always have, were born to be, to, to live in our ultimate and our true potential mm. for expression. And there are some ideals around that, of course, and, and people's yeah. opinions will vary on this. And so for me, a kingdom, a man's kingdom is his inner self. And when he is in integrity, when he has an authentic expression, for me, I define that by our inner world is matched and mirrored by our outer world. Our inner world are our thoughts, our models of reality, our belief systems and our emotions, and our outer world are our behaviours and our expressions and the way we treat people. And when there's no disconnect between that, we're in integrity. Mm. And mm. so a, a king wants to rule his kingdom from a place of integrity, inclusivity, sustainability in his decision-making. He pays attention to his kingdom. He cares about his body. He cares yep. about his mind. He cares about his relationships. Mm. And he cares about what he's creating, the ripples he is creating in the world. Mm. He cares about his purpose. He cares about the clarity of his being and his mind. Yep. And so a kingdom encompasses all of this and more. Mm. And so it's coming back into what we were always meant to be. And, and so that's, that's a very powerful notion because then, then it becomes, it's in our reach. It's not like we have to create something out of nothing. It's like, hey, it's actually here. I just need to remember how to be that person. And that becomes a series of choices that's supported by intent and a willingness to explore. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> willingness. You know, the, the, the next question I have for you is, is honestly something that, that I have, um, have really tried to answer for myself um, in order to serve my community better and, and I'd love to know what your answer is to it and it is what is the biggest challenges you have faced in operating a business that specifically works with men? Yeah. It, so many challenges to be honest and some of them is, is speaking the right language and that's, you know, that's part of also my journey too is, is how do I communicate to the men I know I can impact and obviously can't impact everyone, of course, that's, that's life. And, and how, can I, how can I use the language that resonates while still being authentic to myself, of course, because yeah. I don't want to be false. I don't want to pretend to be something just for the sake of marketing and at the same time I want to make an impact to as many people as possible and mm. learn from as many people as possible mm. too. Mm. And so yeah. it's making those tweaks that are still in alignment with my values and I'm in integrity and that's been mm. a challenge to be honest. Mm. Mm. Another challenge has been men don't want to, most men, not all men, and this is changing of course, but we're not taught how to look at our emotions. We're not taught how to emote and express we're not taught how to healthily express anger. We're mm-hmm. taught that it's okay, either systemically or unconsciously or covertly, we're taught it's okay to be angry and fight and do this. Now, I'm not saying men shouldn't be physical, and I'm not even condoning violence, and that's, not, that's a completely other, it's another discussion. I'm not saying I, I support violence, I don't. What I support is 
physical exertion, the stimulation of our uh, internal system, our hormonal system to, to, to do what testosterone was meant to do, which is exert yeah. power and strength. Mm. How we do that, however, is not to be violent or aberrant or oppressive towards others. Mm. That mm. doesn't fly or to do that against ourselves. It's mm. to find a healthy channel for expression. And mm -hmm. so when I'm talking about violence, I'm not talking about physical abuse and emotional abuse. No, 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 no. Or blaming and shaming others. Not at all. I'm talking about being physically strong mm -hmm. and expressing that in a healthy, safe way that's, again, yeah. inclusive and sustainable. Yeah. And so that's yeah. been a big challenge is helping men realize that it's, it's, they're allowed to emote. And this thing that they feel inside them, this tension and frustration that they feel, mm -hmm. it can be resolved it can be equilibrated and neutralized mm. and one of the access points is through healthy expression of our emotions mm. and so we're teaching that well, actually that's something that we're teaching men because it's not a, even a relearning it's we've never really been taught and so we we have to pioneer this space and it has been for some time but we got we got a long way to go as men yeah so look we're going to dive into this a bit more but i mean as as dads with sons how do we actually teach them that to, to really connect and, and be emotive? Um, obviously, we are the role model of it. We, um, there's a fine line between bringing up a, a, a princess, you know, a, a, a very fragile young man who can't cope with the bullies out there in our world and, and in their school, um, you know, and, and someone who overreacts to the smallest um, mm. act of aggression towards them. Mm. So cultivating a healthy sense of self is very important. Now, I'm not, a, I'm not a biological father. I have been in relationships in my past where I, I was in a relationship for nearly five years where um, that, that woman had children. So I, I spent a number of years being a, a father. I really embraced that role. So I have some direct experience in that, in that place. Um, at the moment, I'm not a, a, I'm not a father per se. Yeah. However, father, being a father, being a king is being a leader and so when we, want to, yep. when we choose, yeah, we choose to lead, we need to lead from a place of inspiring people and pulling people towards. We need to lead by example. So we need to express or we need to uh, demonstrate range in our emotional spectrum, not being hyper or being extreme in the way we express ourselves, mm, not mm, being mm. overly withdrawn, not being overtly yeah. aggressive and hyper aggressive and oppressive, mm. not being reactive and rather being, than being reactive, we be responsive. Mm. And so we teach our children to, and we teach people, be self-reliant. We teach our young children that it's okay to make mistakes it's okay to have some downtime. It's okay to emotionally express. We don't reprimand children for not knowing the answers or doing something wrong. We can gently point out to them that there's a better way and help them choose what so we are empowering children to make their own decisions. When they become self-empowered and self-reliant, we don't have to tell them what to do. Mm. We're having a conversation around mm hey, I wonder what the better path is here. What do you think? Well, I think this and this is why. Oh, and I think this and this is why. How about this? And that collaborative conversation is very different to yeah. do this and if you don't do this, you're an idiot or you're mm. wrong or you're worthless. Mm -hmm. Well, it sounds like as a coach, um, you've become very good and, and something that, um, that I've grown into as well in finding those teachable moments in someone's story that they've been telling mm. for so long mm. um, to really pull them up. 
and um, and get them to dive into that. And it's the same with our kids, you know. Like I find myself wanting to lose my cool and then I'm like, you know what, this is a really teachable moment. I can just react, send them to their room. Um, but it's such an opportunity for me to really get down on their level and really meet them with respect um, yeah. for how they're feeling and and, um, and connect with how they're feeling and why they're, um, they're acting the way they are. So that teachable moment um, sort of, really helps me to take a deep breath at times and, and show up as a, what I call a super dad in, in my relationship with my kids, you know, but look, there's so much um, in the media at the moment, um, which has come from a Gillette ad that uh, they put out to try and boost their sales. And it really made me kind of watch it and then think who are the dads that are, that are causing such an uproar that the men who feel so victimized and vilified by that ad, do you have an opinion on that? <laughs> uh, that adds interesting. Yeah, I, look, I, I, have, I have an opinion on toxic masculinity. And so we, we, we probably need to use, I, I don't, to be honest, my man, I'm indifferent to the term. I really don't. Uh, am I, we let a swear on this podcast? Absolutely. I really couldn't give a flying fuck about the ad, right? And I couldn't give a flying fuck about toxic sure. masculinity. So, look, I'm, I'm more interested then in, in <laughs> what you define as the difference between healthy and unhealthy masculinity. Yeah. Great, yeah. So, firstly, toxic masculinity is really synonymous with unhealthy extreme expression. I'm going to go into this. I'm going to unpack it in a moment. Mm. And so, the the issue that we face is that there's this assumption that's made that when we say the term toxic masculinity, there's an immediate direct association that all men are toxic, therefore not worthy, not good enough, ugly, men are wrong, men are bad, et cetera, et cetera. All men are like this and all forms of masculinity is toxic. That's not true mm-hmm, at all. Mm-hmm. And it also, if men can be toxic, women can be toxic. If the masculine expression can be toxic, femininity can be toxic as well. And really, for me, how I define toxic is unhealthy, extreme behavior compounded over a long period of time. That That's what toxic is. You just call it unhealthy. Mm-hmm. And so... If we're behaving in a way that is one-dimensional, we're constantly in this state of aggression or we're in a constant state of doing, 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 attaining, accumulating, not that there's anything wrong with accumulating wealth or status or material mm-hmm. possession, but when it becomes at the expense of every other facet and um, uh, good thing in life, that's mm-hmm. a problem. That's extreme behaviour. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, we can fall into extreme patterns of behavior. In Mm. fact, most of us do. They're coping strategies that we hold because they're familiar and the familiar is comfortable and the comfortable is safe. And Mm. so the body and the brain wants to be safe. And even if the patterns are uncomfortable, the patterns of behavior and relating are um, are unhealthy, sorry, because they're familiar, we'll stay with it. And so we can be unhealthy. The reason why we need to get away from the term is what I said earlier because this assumption that's made. And so we're, we're tainting all men. Uh, we're painting all men with the same brush. Every man is unhealthy. And that's not the case. There are beautiful men out there and there are beautiful women out there. There are beautiful human beings out there. And there are some unhealthy beings out there and there's some pathological humans out there as well. A small, very small percentage of the populace is pathological and have mm-hmm. serious mental health issues. Yeah. And so their behaviour is extreme. It's not socially acceptable. Mm. But men are good. Men aren't bad by nature. This is a very complex conversation that 
is trying to be reduced and, and, and deduced down to simple notions somewhat can be and it can't be and that's that's again part of the society that we live in we always want to mm. we live in a reductionist materialist society philosophically speaking where everything that, the way we identify our reality and our truth is through the material and the tangible and the way we do that is by reducing 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 often complex and layered and integrated constructs such as this conversation around masculinity and femininity to oh men are bad oh women must be good we need to teach men how to be women oh no <laughs> mm-hmm. No. Yeah, I understand. Now, when we were talking on the phone the other day, you mentioned that you would love to bring dads and their sons together for a rite of passage ritual. And yes. just before we get into that, um, what I wanted to kind of you know do is uh, look. I followed a link the other day to rites of passage rituals that have been used, and some remain still in the name of our cultures from around the world. Some of them are hilarious. Some just yeah. cringeworthy. Some are just like, what Cringe. the fuck? <laughs> yeah. So, look, I mean, you know, one of them that uh, that I immediately went and, and grabbed my crotch over was the <laughs> Aboriginals, which put their, their sons in front of the fire, um, and then they started off by circumcising them, and then once that had healed, a few months later, they then slipped their penis down the middle so that they had to squat to pee. And I don't think they gave any um, any particular understanding of why on earth they decided to do that in the first place. But again, just uh, a what the fuck cringeworthy one for starters. But well, a very a very violent rite of passage by by oh my goodness. contemporary standards. The reasons as to why they did that, I'm not particularly sure, so I can't comment on that. But I can mm. say. By today's contemporary standards, yes, that's a, a, a violent um, way to move through a, viol- a rite of passage. Mm. And I believe it's still done in some tribes as well. And mm. so th- there, are some, there are some worse than that, my friend. Well, what's, 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 what's one that comes to mind for you? Oh, okay. Um, well, one that – there's a couple. So one that comes to mind is <laughs> oh, it's, um, it's a, a Native American Indian tribe, and I can't mm-hmm. remember which, which area they were from. And so what they would do is <laughs> they would hook um, the skin, hook the skin, you know, like with hooks yeah. and then mm-hmm. hang the individual from like a tree or rafters mm-hmm. and they would bleed and until and then they would pass out. Mm. And then when they passed out, they would leave them and then they'd, they'd sort of nurse them back to consciousness and they would give them some substance to sort of make them really alert. And then they would run around the fire and the other tribesmen would rip the hooks out of their skin until they passed out again. Uh. <laughs> As a rite of passage. <laughs> now, I, I, would, I would take this next one um, over that one any day. Um, so this is, this is the, in Vanuatu. And um, some people probably would have seen this, but it's, it's like bungee jumping, but it's land diving where they've got these crazy things they're certainly not put together by any engineers or uh, or carpenters but they just go up into the jungle and then they um they attach two vines to their legs and basically they need to jump and the jumper's goal is to brush his head on the ground if he survives he's a man a very very lucky man um oh god and look another one uh, Another one which I thought was hilarious, and um, and this was um, a rites of passage um, for the Hamar tribe in Ethiopia before they were allowed mm. to marry. 
And the young boy's closest female friends and family chant while they are whipped by the men of the tribe. Scars are left on their back as a testament to the pain they were willing to endure for the initiation. And then basically they line up a whole bunch of cows and they need to jump across the cows naked. And if they yeah. do that, they're allowed to marry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Yeah, there's some interesting rites of power. I've done extensive research in this in this space. Some really mm. rites of passage, man. Mm. Really interesting. Yeah. Mm. And before I mean, we get the before we get the Stephanus sort of uh, rites of ritual um, uh, passage, I I read too that the Spartans um, mm. appeared to do little less than beat their children, a process that ensured that any who survived to adulthood would be pretty tough. So. Mm. Um, they used to, yeah, whip the children. If the children were naughty, they'd whip the warriors to make the warriors stronger and they'd whip pregnant women to make their babies stronger. So, <laughs> Crazy, man. Crazy. I know, I know. So, look, in saying that, um, you have talked about your childhood. You've talked about, um, you know, really wanting to teach a healthy masculinity in men that is emotive and does have them um, talking about their problems and getting it all out there, but more importantly, learning the lessons and becoming men of, of power and strength and, and values. Well. Yeah, yeah. Strong self-reliance. Learning how to deal with it. Like learning for us as men to learn how to deal with our shit and deal with our mm. pain and our fears and mm. not project and guilt and shame and, and blame others. Mm. And so for me, part of that rite of passage for men it, you know, it includes it includes an element of, of physical challenge, like really mm. physical challenge, and that includes um, fasting. That includes being in the elements. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been through that myself. That includes learning how to be self reliant. Uh, it, it it includes taking the, the physical body and the mind to the edge and even mm. beyond. Mm-hmm. Now, it doesn't mean you know, chopping off your hand and and in the wilderness and then being put in the middle of the jungle and, and having to survive with nothing but 500 mil. mil can I, can I jump across some cows' backs, though? That sounds like fun. <laughs> Potentially. <laughs> ride a kangaroo. <laughs> Potentially. But definitely uh, part of that rite of passage is physical challenge and, and also like owning that, really owning that physical challenge and knowing that that's a part of the rest of our lives, it's mm. not just a rite of passage that we may do for a week or a few days and, hey, we're men now and we've had a physical challenge. We've, we haven't eaten for a few days and we had minimal water and we had to traverse 20 kilometres of, of difficult terrain every day for six days and, hey, we're mm. men now. Mm. Not, that's part of it, sure, can mm. be, but it's more than that. It's Hormonally, we're geared for physical challenge. We're, we're mm-hmm. geared to, to be strong, to activate and stimulate our nervous system. We should be doing that on a regular basis, daily and weekly. Mm-hmm. It's in us. That's who we are as men. And so when we're not honouring that, we're dishonouring our masculinity. So being strong, physically exerting, challenging ourselves, whether it be lifting weights, whether it be some form of martial arts, whether it be trying a new skill, adaptation of some sort, uh, being uh, challenging ourselves technically, our coordination, whatever it may be, it's imperative as a very basic rite of passage that we begin to physically challenge ourselves and don't mm-hmm. live sedentary mm-hmm. lives. Yeah. And that's part of it. And that needs to be ingrained in us. Another part of the, the rite of passage is how do we respect and revere ourselves, the women in our lives, and earth? How do we extract resources? How do we give back? 
giving mm. and receiving in equanimity mm. needs to be part of a rite of passage for men because <clears throat> for too long our society is taken, 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 taken. And we haven't been given back to the earth. And that's evident in how our natural ecology is responding to our socio-cultural and socio-economic practices, which yeah. are what we would consider a hyper-masculine expression. Mm. And so we need to learn how to move through that rite of passage. We need to learn how to respect and revere ourselves and respect and revere earth. Absolutely. Absolutely. And look, the other area that I the thought would interest our listeners to hear in your opinion about is your opinion on marriage. Now, you actually asked your group the other day and yeah. you know, I responded with my thoughts, but I'm really okay. interested to hear if the answers to those you know, to that question, has changed your thoughts at all? No, no, it hasn't changed my thoughts uh, in any capacity. So for me, marriage is something that's very sacred and something that, it maybe varies a redundant word here, something that's sacred, full stop. Mm-hmm. And it's something that must, be go- that must be moved into with intent. The contemporary expression of mainstream marriage it, it's institutionalised. It's when we look at marriage, we and and and, and we can look at monogamy as well, um, because that generally goes hand in hand with marriage. I, I mean, I don't know very many uh, non-monogamous who are in three, four, five, six, seven, eight-person relationships that are married with each other. So I, I don't know any, in fact. No, um, yeah. I, I haven't seen that. And I know, <laughs> not, I know many not in our culture in Australia, anyway. But no, there are still places in the world. Mm. Yeah, 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 absolutely, yes. And, but that's, see, that's, again, that's a little bit different, though, where it's um, one man may be marrying two or three women. And, again, they're not all married to each other. It's a different dynamic, so probably mm. a different conversation. But back to marriage. And so for me, marriage is really sacred. It's something that is done deliberately and with intent, and it's not the contemporary expression of marriage. It's, it's a commitment to really ultimately self, and it's a commitment to growth. That's what marriage is for me. It's a commitment mm. to growth and it's a union that mm. bonds and binds that growth. And what it does is what that commitment does, mm. and it's an honouring as well. It's an honouring of the, the love or the, the, the adoration that two yeah. people share in this context, mm. and it's an honouring in front of the people that they love and care for as well, and mm. it's an honouring to themselves. It's ceremony. Yeah. Ceremony is yeah. very important in our culture. Mm. It has been for thousands and thousands yeah. of years. It, it helps us grow and evolve, ceremony does, because it's laden with intent. Mm. And so for me, marriage is a beautiful thing. Institutionalised marriage and, and marrying for know, economic purposes and, and, and maximising land and, and wealth and the accumulation, I mean, that, I mean that's, that's more superficial. Sure, it serves a purpose and it may play a role, but that's, for me, that's not what marriage is. And when, when two people are very clear on themselves, they've done deep healing work on themselves, they've cleared much of their pain, their fear and their past trauma and they come together and they're very adamant and clear on what they want in the relationship and they're committed to growth and themselves and each mm-hmm. other and mm-hmm. to respect and reverence and adoration itself, that's empowering. That's a beautiful uh, mm. symbolism of marriage for me. And Steph, I think that's an important area um, because we're finding inside the super dads there are so many dads um, who have separated, they've divorced, they've learnt from their lessons, they're they're looking to get into that next relationship and have a sacred formation of their families together, you know, kids, families, you know, 
um, blended family together and, and really make it work and, and have that growth, um, you know, from both parties. I guess um, you've done that in your relationship with, is it Christine or Christina? Christine. Christine. And look, I've, yeah. I've listened to her podcast. I, I can gleam into who she is and she speaks a little bit about some of her, you know, past um you know, relationship challenges um, and how long it took her to heal from them. And, and you've obviously, you know, had a, had a similar journey to go through. Let's pretend I've got a wig on now. I'm Christine and we're on the altar and you're having this sacred marriage ceremony and, yeah. um, and you're going to, um, to deliver to me and our listeners right now um, your vows. <laughs> what a fucking question. <laughs> Let's That's go. So let, let's put you on the spot. Oh, let's go. Let's well, go. Firstly, <laughs> so firstly, um, when I proposed to her, no, no, no. I, hang on, hang on. No, no, no. Let's 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 stay on task here. All right. I've got the wig on. Okay. I've got my lipstick. I've I've, I've been through hours of priming myself to be there on the altar with you. Mm. I, I don't have a very good American accent to put on, so I can't okay. really. I mean, okay. I mean, I'm going to honour this. Okay, <sighs> so all of my life, I've been living in deep denial of who I was. All of my life, I spent being unclear, not being conscious, being confused, being afraid of the fear that resided within me myself. Having met you was a deep deep journey and a byproduct of choosing before I met you to call in my beloved, not for the sake of calling in a beloved, but more for the sake of making myself whole as a whole person because I wanted to experience wholeness because I knew that when I did that and when I was that person, that life would unravel for me in such a way that I would experience the beauty and the joy that once eluded me because I lived in lies and I lived in fear. Meeting you, my darling, has been the greatest achievement of my life and it has been because I met you and I truly felt whole within myself. I didn't need anything. I chose to be in this relationship and I'm deeply grateful that you've chosen me. And as we continue to choose each other and as we continue to be willing to be the grandest versions of ourselves, to traverse fear together, to traverse pain together, to celebrate joy together. What I promise you here and now is that you will always get the most willing, grandest, present version of self. I will honour myself as a man. I will continue to practice healthy masculine posturing, not only for you, not only for me, not only for us, but for the impact that we make together when we choose to be healthy people, the impact that we make to ourselves and to the world. And so now I'm going to stop that, and that would be something along the lines of what I would say, and it would probably go a little bit longer than that. It would be a little bit more emotional. Oh, my God. (laughs) But you put me on the spot. Fuck. Can can I say I do? (laughs) You certainly can. Wow. Wow. Can I I have a do-over on my own vows? Brother, you, I actually thought, I thought about starting a service. So it, fuck, I'm going to do it too probably. Matt, I was going to say before you, you kept putting me on the spot and you, and you, you were persistent with it and I love that. That's a, that's a really beautiful trait, powerful trait, is that 
I, I do a lot of, you see, I do a lot of writing. I love writing. I love, mm. it. I, I, you know, philosophy and, and I call it poetic philosophy um, or philosophical poetry. And, and for me, honestly, man, the, the, when I proposed to her and, and, and she became my fiancée and she said yes to that, I, I, that, what I wrote, I honestly felt was the best piece of writing I've ever written. And I mm. have no doubt that what I write for our wedding vows will be epic as well. Epic for me, at least. <laughs> we'll, we'll, def- we'll definitely um, have to transcribe that and, and send it to you for starters uh, as a first draft then, hey? Oh, my <laughs> gosh. That's the best oh, question I've ever really? been asked. <laughs> that is beautiful, man. Oh, thanks, bro. On the spot and you nailed it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> best question ever. Oh, very good, man. So, look, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners today before we end this interview? Yeah, Brother, I'd like to, I know you have a lot of, obviously, the vast majority of your listeners are men. I'm sure there are some women as well. And this one's for the men. I, I do a lot of podcasts and I speak, mainly the audience are women. Mm-hmm. And so I'm really, I, I get excited speaking to men because we have an opportunity as men to completely shift the paradigm of what, how people see us and how we view ourselves. And so, men, what I want to say to you is that you can be emotive you can you can hold yourself in an emotional posture and still be a fucking epic strong man and still be a healthy masculine man as well and there are tools to do that and there are techniques to do that and when we empower ourselves with the opportunity to be open-minded and open-hearted true leadership the best form of leadership is firstly sovereign leadership so individual leadership where we master ourselves and we lead ourselves Mm. and second to that is when we lead from our heart when, we, when men do that and combine that, when we combine that with the strength that we actually have, and instead of using that strength to oppress others or be hyper-aggressive, we use that strength to be diligent and to be persistent and to be willing, man, that is a seriously powerful combination. Mm. And so men tap into that but in a healthy way. That's what I request of the men that are watching this. And just, men, you're so good. Don't think for a moment that, you're bad because you're a man. You're fucking epic because you're a man. Tap into that epicness. Gold. Love it. <laughs> Stefanos, Stefanos, thank you so much for joining us on the Super Dad Show today. It's been a pleasure. Jared, you're the best. Thank you, brother. You're awesome too, man. All right. <laughs> lots, of, lots of man love coming your way through this uh, video <laughs> right now. All right. And look, if uh, if anyone wants to get in touch with you, you've got a website that you can share. I'll put it in the show notes as well. But sure. for anyone listening, yeah, it's um, stephanosafandos.com, isn't it? .com or Steph- yeah, or stephanosafandos.com and social That's media it. handles are stephanosafandos, yeah. Beautiful. All right, mate. Thank you for joining us today. Have a great day. Thank you, brother. Whether you're a dad or not, if you listen to the show and you love what you heard, please go to www.patreon.com slash superdads online and sign up as a patron for just $5. In exchange, I will send you a coupon code to use in our superfamiliesonline.com merchandise store and you can get $5 off your first purchase and order a super dad, mum, kid or teen t-shirt and other merchandise. Hear me on the next episode of the Super Dad Show. Thanks for listening.